tired. So tired. Over tired. Hello. <laughs> I thought you'd left me again for another eight fucking months. I know. No, it's ridiculous. I, I thought you were going to do like more of an intro. Like, hello, welcome back. To- I know you would think <laughs> you would think, hey, everyone, you're listening to Overtired. I think it's still called that. It has been so long. It's still called but, that. And it's still Christina Warren and Brett Terpstra. So, Christina, hey. Hey. How are you? Um, I'm good. Um. I have wanted to talk to you for a really long time, and my life has been crazy. I know your life has been crazy. I've been in, like, and I'm not even joking, like, like 12 countries since we last <laughs> talked. So that's been a thing. Yeah, but on purpose, because I remember yeah. there was an episode years ago where you almost accidentally <laughs> went. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. When I almost... Went to the wrong San Jose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still tell that story. People are like, that didn't happen. I'm like, oh, no, I was like about to board the plane. And then I happened to realize that it was taking me to the wrong San Jose and had to immediately divert to Denver and then go from Denver to the right San Jose. So close. So close. But anyway, now you're traveling for Microsoft. Yep. I'm done for a while, or at least the international portion is done for a while. But... Yeah. Is it like conferences or meetings? Like what's up? So we've been doing this thing called uh, Microsoft Ignite the Tour, which is like a um, it's it's a regional kind of event where we go around and we like show people um, how to do certain things, um, both in like the development and the operation space related to Azure. And so the audience are people who are probably already existing Microsoft customers, but they might be new. I mean, anybody can kind of sign up to go. It's free. And then there are tracks on different things and different technologies. So there might be some that's more like more development focused. And then there's some stuff that's more maybe ops or, or DevOps focused. And I've been doing, I was doing sessions on uh, introduction to Azure and also one on introduction to uh, Azure security. So for, for people who are probably, you know, some of them, some decision makers and are trying to have to go back and tell their companies like, this is why we need to go to the cloud and this is how things work um, and kind of giving an overview of what we offer, how things work, showing demos, and then also, you know, in the security one going into like what our various load balancer and other thing options are, which I didn't know anything about before I started the, the uh, doing the content for the tour. And then I was like, oh, so our load balancer story is a lot. It, it's complex. It's, it's, it's probably too complicated. So um, it, it was good. I was in, I did nine different tour stops between December and May and um, was giving two talks per uh, stop and um, did like, you know, over a hundred thousand miles or whatever. And yeah, it's, it was a lot. Okay. So yeah, so I've been traveling a ton and it, no, it's been interesting cause I've never traveled this much before ever. Like I've um, done very little international travel for work, never going to places. Like, I mean, I went to um, Dubai, Mumbai, Sydney, Australia, uh, Milan, Amsterdam. Um, You're basically a jet setter Sao now. Sao Paulo. Yep, exactly. Uh, Berlin. I was in, right before Berlin, I was in Finland for an unrelated thing. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, do you do well with travel? 
you know what? I didn't know if I was going to or not. I did pretty well with it. Yeah. It's just, it's still hard. Um, it's never like easy, right? Like some stuff is better than others. I think by the end of it, um, I kind of had a system down, but like my last stop was Mumbai and the first day, even though I flew on a really amazing airplane, um, you know, it's like, it was like a 29 hour flight between, you know, transfers and whatnot. And when I got into my hotel at like 4am, I basically just slept for 24 hours, like didn't leave, didn't do anything. And that was kind of my MO I found for a lot of the cities where it was like, I would make sure that I would have enough time to get in and like sleep and not have to do anything. Um, in some places, cause I ended up going to like Europe so much where there was like the nine hour time difference stuff. My body kind of got used to that a little bit. And I have to say, I think probably from a jet lag perspective, the easiest one was probably, um, Sydney because it's 19 hours ahead. So you could almost kind of treat it <laughs> like a it's a full day. It, Exactly. So you're just like, okay, I'm just going to treat this like this is a full day, right? Yeah. So that was easier. The hard one was like, it was like nine, 10 hours. That was hard. India was hard too, because it was 12 and a half hours. So when you're trying to talk to people back home, that's where the hard thing is, right? Because your schedules are just completely off. Yeah, I could live with that. I don't like talking to people that much and I'd get used to the jet lag. I just hate being away from home for that long. Yeah. And that's hard, right? I mean, especially when in some cases I had, I would have like time off and then in some cases I would have to go kind of back to back. Like I went to, I was in Tel Aviv. I came back for the weekend and when I was in Tel Aviv, they asked me to go to Milan and it was one of those things where I got sick. So I was sick that weekend. Um, I came back on like a, a Friday or a Saturday Um, and then I left on like Monday to go back to Milan and I was sick. How how long were you generally in a country? Less than a week. Yeah. See, if I, if I have a hotel room and I'm there for three days, my brain switches and that becomes home and I feel very comfortable. Like I get uncomfortable when I'm away. I'm a homebody. Yeah. Like. I'm, yeah, I'm no, no. I mean, it was usually neurotic. Yeah, it was usually probably like five, six days. It would kind of vary. And in some countries, you know, I've stayed like longer than others. Like I was able to stay. I think I stayed in Dubai a full week because it's Dubai. And um, you would kind of look at it. Australia. I had another event. I was in Australia a week. I was in Mumbai about a week. It would just kind of depend like the ones where it's really far away. Again, because of the jet lag stuff, it's just like, OK, it would be not smart to get in and get out um so did did they give you time to do stuff sometimes I mean, non-microsoft stuff yeah i mean again it would kind of depend on like how long you were staying because sometimes like if i was like literally leaving the day after because the conference was on two days so i was literally leaving after the 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 you know the night like the morning like you know a few hours after the the last um like after the the, the farewell like kind of group dinner then yeah, you don't have anything. But this was again why sometimes I would like book like an extra day so I could have, you know, time to go around and do stuff. And it it just sort of depended on the city. Like I got to, I felt like I got to see a lot of Dubai. I got to see a lot of Sydney because I was there longer. Uh, Mumbai really didn't get to see that much, but I did do one day of travel stuff. I mean, you know, you could do it. It just kind of depended on what other what other things were going on, and how how long you had there. You know, but some of the places I just felt like. You know, you kind of got in, got out, and and didn't really get to see anything. I usually tried though to at least go out in the afternoons or something to to walk around, but it was it 
you know, that, that wasn't the goal of the the trip, you know, and, and I think that's the hard thing to kind of explain to people is it's like, you're going to these places, and it's great that you get to see the world. But a lot of what you're seeing is the conference and yeah. your hotel. What's well, like me, I've been to every state in this country. But if, if I'm being honest, I've driven through about a third of them. Stopped at gas stations, maybe, but actually never saw the state. Right. Which was true about Iowa for a long time. I only knew Iowa from the highway. <laughs> and then my sister moved there. And turns out, like, Ames, Iowa is actually a pretty cool town. Cool. cool. Yeah. But not as cool as Mumbai. Like, yeah, I'm really impressed. I have, I have no uh, no travel experience that would rival what you've done in just the last few months. Yeah, I mean, I didn't either, right? Like, it's kind of, I mean, that's been the kind of the, the nutso thing is that, um, and this is why I kind of agreed to do it. It was it was a lot of work, both from a content creation standpoint, a presentation standpoint, other things. And I don't, like, next year we're going to be doing the, the tour again, and I will be involved, but I'm not going to do Nine Cities again because that was just too much. But... I, I, you know, agree to go to so many and when they would ask me other times, because we have some members of our team, you know, who have, you know, kids and some of them have like, you know, and, and it's harder for them to be away from home, right? Like, yeah, it's not like it's easy for me to be away from home, but yeah. it's easier, right? And so you make sacrifices and you, you work as a team and you do the right things for people, right? And so in this case, it was one of those like um, things where I was like, okay, um, I can do this now because I will more than likely never have an opportunity to do this again. And some of these places that I'm going like Mumbai or whatever, like, I don't know if I will ever go to again, you know? Yeah. So, hmm. so guess where I might potentially be moving? Uh, Seattle. No. Damn. Try one more time. Uh, and uh, taking into consideration that I'm saying this to you as if it's a place, you know, okay. Portland. No. One more. Uh, Los Angeles. Uh, you suck at this. <laughs> I do suck uh, at this. You're Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, totally. Wow. You might be moving to Atlanta. Do I want to move to Atlanta? Um, How much do you like to drive? I hate driving. Okay. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. That's kind of what I figured. Um, so it's, it's a, I, I helped a guy out with uh, building a prototype of an, of an idea he wanted to pitch to his company um he was subsequently let go and now it's turned into a startup idea and i have the opportunity to be a startup owner and basically cto and it, it's all very cool and i would do it in a second if it was right here in winona but it is not. I would have to move to Georgia. And there are a lot of problems with that. I would be in the same town as my little brother, which would be fun. Yeah. But I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to move anywhere. Like even, like my kind of ideal spot is Hawaii or Northern California when it's not on fire and Hawaii when it's not under lava. Um, but e even if opportunities came up in either of those right now, I would be a homebody and just not want to do it would it be a possibility where you could go for like a brief period of time to kind of set things up and then go back yeah and and be able to kind of do things out you know that way so that you wouldn't be a permanent move yeah possible lots of possibilities maybe 
I haven't really tried yet, but I might be able to talk them into remote working with a lot of travel. Yeah, because I mean, depending on what you'd be involved with, I mean, there's some cases where especially if, if, if you're important to the process of getting funding and doing other things, like, yeah, right. you might need to and be there, right? That's the first phase. I'll need to be there for all of the meetings. Now, he's he's serious about it and he's good at this. He used to work for Experian. No, not Experian. One of the major credit companies. And he has this really good um, understanding of business and startup, like the the parts of running a startup that I have no idea about, like how series, how seed and series A work, how to put together a board of advisors, all of this stuff. It's impressive. I trust him. And I think this could go. I just, I don't know. I, I'm scared of success. <laughs> yeah, I can feel that. But like, this is a really good opportunity, potentially, right? Like, I wouldn't let maybe your fear of change, change, like, ruin the possibilities of something that could be really good. All right. Well, there are more possibilities we'll talk about in a second. Let's do a health corner. How you been? I've been okay. I've been okay. Um, I uh, up my ADHD meds. And that's been good. Um, I'm still not, I still feel like I need to probably work on my antidepressants some. And I've got some other things going on. But all in all, like, Christina Health Corner, fairly good place. Um, I, um, I've got to the point with my weight where I'm pretty happy with it. Although there have been times when I'm like, ooh, am I getting too thin? So <laughs> I have the exact same thing going on. Yeah, uh, which which hasn't been a thing for me for quite some time. Uh, Long time listeners will know that for for many many years, and in fact, Double like zero. We, yeah, um, and <laughs> and I'm like back there, right? Like for the most part. But uh, there was a period of time when I gained like forty pounds, and that was not great. And then I I lost that weight without having to go back on the ADHD stuff. Going back on the ADHD stuff definitely helped. Uh, with that process but now it's like my metabolism is totally um i guess returned to what it has historically been and so you know you have to i'll get on the scale sometimes i'm like oh okay now we're at that place where this is not necessarily a good thing isn't Um, dexedrine is your adhd med isn't it it sure is yeah so i don't know if anyone remembers dexatrim yep yep I mean, that's it, it totally. I mean, but, but all of those, they would just, the people, they used to prescribe amphetamines as eye pills. Yeah. I mean, and it's not, they're not wrong. Well, like it shit, does, it really works. It really, really fucking works. Like it's, it's, it's and not heroin wrong. for sleep. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that it really does like act as an appetite suppressant. Like that is not bullshit. Right. Right. Um, and I have to say, it's one of those weird things where at least for me, because I've been on it for so long, I don't get that, you know, um, high that you, you know, of like, you know, oh, I'm, 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 you know, the, the, the speed like feeling, you know, the that one you, that makes you really, really clean your house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I haven't had that in God knows how long, right? Like 10, 12, 13, 14 years, who knows? Um, the reason I have to take it is because if I don't, then it's, it's like, I can't focus or concentrate on anything. Right. And there might be times when I take like the first dose because I, I have a spansel that I take twice a day, like where I might 
feel like it kick in and feel like my blood, you know, like, like my heart rate go like a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but it's not like, I'm like, Oh, now I'm going to be on everything and be able to clean the world and do all this and do all that. Like, you don't, it's not like, you know, college students who, you know, you get like your Adderall. Adderall. Yeah, completely. It's not like that. Like, and I had that, there was a period of time when I had that, but that was when I was like in high school and college. And like that has since like ceased to work at all like that's not it but the one thing that is still a thing for sure is like the the appetite yeah stuff so i actually have news in that area too cool tell me about so, it so well or or stories to tell um was i taking concerto last time we talked you were yes okay so i had switched from vivance to concerta and that was it was good i felt like it was working a little bit better than the vivance and then uh the pharmacy started giving me different shaped pills every month. So I started cutting them apart to see what the difference was because some of them did actually give me that, that Superman feeling, which I don't appreciate. Right. Uh, When I get that, I become very obsessive. Uh, I can, I can, I can focus really well on a project to the extent that I ignore the rest of my life. Um, So, I cut them open. I figured out that there's one formulary uh, where uh, the pills have a tiny hole at the end of them. You almost wouldn't notice it if you didn't know to look for it. And then inside they have three layers. Uh, The first two are different uh, forms of the Ritalin drug. And then the last layer is just this expanding. uh, It has no drug in it. It's just an expanding filler that uh, when it reacts chemically to, I guess, stomach acid, mm-hmm. it starts pushing the medication out through that tiny little hole. And it provides a really, really smart time release mechanism. That's the version I do really well on. The other version, when you cut them open, they look exactly like cutting open like an ibuprofen. It's just it's powder and filler on the inside. And that version released too quickly, gave me more than I needed at once, and then left me crashed at the end of the day. Right, which is not at all what you want, right? So I'm every other month, every month I go to fill this prescription, it's a crapshoot. So I'm I'm trying to get my doctor to switch me back to Vyvanse because that's the safe one for me. Definitely. Or could he put, because it sounds like you're getting a generic. Yeah, well, both versions are generic. Well, that's what I mean. So... It sounds like, I mean, and I don't oh, know I how to ask him to put brand on it. Exactly. Brand exactly. That's what I was going to say, because yeah. because you're getting a generic and your generic is different because they have two suppliers and you don't know which one mm-hmm. they're going to get. And so the pharmacist is just like, OK, we're just doing whatever. Um, and then sometimes in those cases, like you can find like if one pharmacy stocks one generic, one stocks another. But in this case, they probably source a bunch of different ones. Right. Yeah. So that's not really an option for you. Um so yeah, I would I would first see if you could get him to do brand only or brand necessary, and yeah. um, the only thing there is is you might have some, ins- some to deal with some stuff with your insurance company. But again, your doctor could like make the comment like there is a, a demonstrable difference. Yeah, and then a uh, prior auth, and it shouldn't be hard. Right, that's a good idea. I'm going to follow up on that. Um, so I got a new doctor, the doctor that I had been seeing. So way back when I had that, uh, two years without medication because I got fucked over. Yeah. 
then I got this new doctor that I really liked. She was awesome. And then she uh, moved to working for the state, I think, prison psychiatry. Uh, so she could no longer be my psychiatrist. And I had to. And, well, and I the, mean, she could. You just didn't want to do what it was going to take for that to happen. Oh, right. Yeah, I'd have to get jailed. Right. Um, so that institution, it's a small uh, mental health center. They did not hire another person, at least as of last check. So I had to find a new doctor. And my only options were the two places that had screwed me over before. So I got into the clinic at the the hospital, the Winona Health Clinic, and they're only, they can't hold on to doctors. Uh, doctors stay there for about two months and then leave. Uh, so they have RNs. So now I'm seeing an RN who seems more concerned with not making things worse than he is with making things better. Like he's scared. He, he knows that when I came in, the medication balance I had was working well. And he does not listen to needs for adjustments. He's scared to touch anything, which sucks. That does suck. Better than nothing. But yeah, better than nothing. And at least he's willing to look at the stuff that like you've taken before and give you that right. like and that, not cut me off. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, I mean, that's at least better than what you've had before, but that sucks. I'm so sorry. Like to me, this is just indicative of so many things that are wrong with our health system. I mean, in my case, I'm really lucky that at least for now, how it works is my psychiatrist is in Atlanta. So I have a monthly call with him and then he mails me my scripts but he could only mail me like one month at a time for my dextrine right. and um and I have to take those in and I can't like I could I guess I could have like my GP who is is at work um you know they were writing me scripts but then they were like oh we you know really better for you to have a psychiatrist now we can give you some recommendations and I'm like I don't want to go to someone local because I don't want to start over right but he's like 74 so you know it's only a matter of time it, it, it is and i've been seeing him other than my two-year period of of not taking care of myself since i was 19 years old yeah that's a history right so i mean i mean you're only 25 now but still <laughs> exactly i'm only 25 uh but yeah so i mean you know like you know um a long time a long 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 time so, um, but I mean, it's just, but it's ridiculous that all the stuff you've had to go through to even find somebody to get you the drugs that you need. Right. Um, to find a stopgap. Right. How's, how's the rest of your, uh, your health doing? Still doing the yoga, still, uh, working so, out and all that. I don't know if it's related to all the med up and down, but my insomnia is back appropriately enough for finally recording. <laughs> but over the last four days, I've only gotten good sleep on two of them. No. So my body's like every other day I'll I'll sleep well and it's not good. I I for a year or two now I've had really consistent good 8 hours a night sleep. So this is frustrating. Um but aside from that uh I yoga's I tore my rotator cuff. Yeah, you remember you telling me that which that sounds painful. And yeah, I'm still recovering but I've actually 
I don't know. I I got some uh, rehab exercises without actually going to physical therapy. Um, do those, and I'm back to about 90% on that shoulder. Uh, so yoga is going well. Still doing it three times a week. I've lost. Oh, I have IBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, for as long as I can remember, have uh, but then I found this thing called the low FODMAP diet. My girlfriend found this thing called the low FODMAP <laughs> diet. I was gonna say this sounds like something that your girlfriend would find. Yeah, have you heard of this? No. FODMAPs. It's a an acronym for a whole list of different uh, sugars, basically, uh, and they exist in all kinds of food, even whole foods. And it it's a super complicated diet because you have to avoid like some fruits, but not other fruits. Right. Uh, some forms of dairy, but not other forms of dairy. But it really helps you target all, all of these things that could potentially cause IBS. So then you you eliminate for a you know three week intro, you get rid of all of them and then you start doing challenges, adding back in just one group of them. Uh, for a day and then seeing what happens with the symptoms. So so far, I know that dairy is really not good for me. Other than that, uh, there's a group that contains garlic and onions that I'm really hoping I can prove isn't the problem. So I have some confirmation bias on that. Uh, Going to give that another test because it was inconclusive. But anyway, in general, I don't have IBS anymore. It's kind of huge. That is really huge. And has there been like much of a thing for you to adjust to like getting rid of certain things in your diet? Like, has that been a struggle or is that okay? Oh, for sure. Um, I, it's a whole new diet. I weigh 175 pounds now. <laughs> That's that amazing. Basically, I, I had lost as much as I was going to lose through exercise, I think. And now cutting out all sugar from my diet drop me down another 10 pounds so yeah no that'll do it like for me before i that was that was the big thing that got me to to lose the weight was um cutting the sugar or at least cutting soda out of my diet that was the big thing was that i had i was drinking so much i mean it was too much but i was drinking i mean on the order of like six or eight regular cokes a day that's a lot. Yeah. It's so much. It's so much. And that was the thing where it was like one of my colleagues was Isabel who was like, okay, so you're drinking like literally all your calories. And I was like, yeah, but I've done this for years. And then I was thinking, <laughs> I was like, okay, but you're getting older. Your metabolism has changed. You've gone through this medication thing. Like this is probably a big part of your issue. And so yep. when I cut the, when I cut that and it moved to diet and even now, like the amount of diet soda I drink has really like dropped, you know, I drink it, but I drink more water than anything to be totally honest. Um, the pounds just came off and then other stuff, you know, helped with that, you know, the other medication changes and metabolism adjustments or whatever. But yeah, but cutting sugar was like the thing. Well, that, and I, I mean, it was I crazy. cut sugar back when I, so when I was 260 pounds, I was eating kind of an average American diet, not excessive sugars or anything. But when I, really started paying attention. I cut sugar down significantly. Uh, I drink zero soda. I, I don't eat anything that has like processed sugar in it. Um, 
I'll occasionally use uh, like a couple teaspoons of white sugar to sweeten something. Sure. Uh, but I'm very conscious of how much I use. Now, <laughs> now I'm cutting out sugars I didn't even know were sugars. I mean, I didn't realize lactose is a sugar. It sure is. Milk has a ton of sugar in it. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. only now learning this. Yeah, no, in fact, when they give you a lactose malabsorption test, it's actually a really terrible test. They give you, you drink like a pure amount of, of lactose, sugar, whatever. And so it's this orange liquid, or at least, okay, I don't know if this is still the case. This was the case when I was in middle school and went through one of the worst testing days I've ever been through when they were trying to figure out why it wouldn't grow. And uh, uh, there was there was a lactose malabsorption test. There was um, a, a, an upper GI. There was uh, an endoscopy. It was a great day. Um, no, it was not. <laughs> Sounds um, like it. it was pretty terrible, actually. But um, the lactose malabsorption test was probably the worst. Well, I don't know. The endoscopy was pretty bad, too, because I was awake during it. But... <laughs> But, but the lactose malabsorption test was definitely close, right? And so that tells you what you need to know about that, where they you drink this stuff that is like completely sugarized. It's, it's orange. It's like tang. And it just is god-awful. And then as you're drinking it or whatever, they are then monitoring your um, blood levels like and basically kind of in real time for like how much is it absorbing the lactose. Hmm. And yeah. Um, and yeah, so I mean, that is like a pure sugar, basically. So there's a ton of sugar in, in milk. There are sugars in a lot of things, um, obviously, like, you know, alcohols and, and other things that, that ferment. Like, it's it's really interesting. I mean, because it's, a, I mean, carbs, like, it makes sense. And when you kind of think about it, you're like, okay, well, yeah, this is why, you know, there are so many carbs in, in sugary things because um, mm. they're related. But, but you don't think about it because you're like, oh, well, this doesn't taste sweet. Right. Or it doesn't taste like what we think of as sweet. Right. It doesn't have that, that, that corn syrup taste. But even if you look at corn syrup, right, like corn is not something that you would associate with sugar. But well, yet, carrots either, but they right. both have a ton of sugar. In them. Definitely. But they're different types, right? Like like carrots can be okay. Like there are certain types of, of sugars. And I mean, you would know this way more than I would. But from what little I remember reading about ingredients on things you know there are like good sugars and bad sugars and i don't know where carrots are on the mix but yeah well that's what fodmap focuses on are good sugars and bad sugars and ones that have been shown to react with uh gut health but anyway want to hear about some bullshit i do want to hear about some bullshit and then we'll move on to like actual things but uh, uh my girlfriend has multiple chemical sensitivities mcs and she's very sensitive to things like fragrances uh, to the extent where out of the house she has to wear a mask. Wow. And this is getting it's it's a result of uh, Lyme disease. OK. And it's been getting better for her. But we there was a note on our door two days ago that said, hey, uh, we sprayed your lawn. Here's what you owe us. And. The company had gotten the wrong address, covered our lawn in chemicals, and it immediately started, like her eyes were burning, her throat was burning, and then the big symptoms she get is like fogginess and uh, irritability uh, and ability to focus. And it basically drove her out of the house. So she's sleeping at a neighbor's right now. And me, I'm so much of a homebody that I was like, I'll just deal with it. But 
Um, it, it actually turns out it's a legally uh, pursuable offense to spray someone's lawn with chemicals without their permission. Yeah. So now we have to deal with all of that. Uh, I'm so sorry for her and for you guys had to deal with that. But I hope that that they will, you know, that, that maybe ultimately things can get taken care of on that end. And because it's just like people can be held accountable because, yeah, that is one of those things. Plenty of people, even people who don't have Lyme disease, have allergies or symptoms or can be very sensitive to stuff. And you can't just, I don't know, like do that. It'd be, it'd be like walking up to someone and spraying perfume in their face. Nobody wants that. No, I mean, I mean, there are going to be some people who, again, like might not be Lyme disease, but they might have like serious like air allergens to whatever the whatever you're spraying. Like, that's not cool. Yeah. So anyway, that's my bullshit. That sucks. So do you you want to talk about NB Ultra? Yes, I was actually very excited for us to get through the other stuff to talk about it. So this... We're finally there, an hour in. An hour in. No, I'm so excited. Well, look, people, the the, the few listeners we have left, they they (laughs) want to know like... We don't even know at this point. We don't even know. You know, we still get tweets. So there's still, still, in theory, there's still an audience. Um, But no, I want to hear all about this because I've been using the beta. Is that okay for me to say? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, yes, I, I, I will brag. I, I can, I've been using the beta and it was so funny. I saw your blog because a friend of mine got the ultimate hacking keyboard. Yeah. Uh, one of my colleagues and I was like, Oh, 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 my friend Brett loves his. And, and I was sending her her stuff. And like, it, literally you had posted like, I think that day about the beta about NV ultra. And I was like, uh, Hey, hook me up. See, now that's what you shouldn't tell people because I'm turning people away left and right okay, that but email see, but me I'm, directly. But I'm not people. Like I know. It's like nepotism. But, I mean, I think that that's fair. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> well, but I would think it was fair if it was like if you were like, I'm only – you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Like, dude, we've been doing this together for years. We've known each other for like 12 well, years. Obviously, there was no question to me. I'm you just got saying. a beta invite that day. Right. But now you're opening up more people or whatever. But yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about this. So because because what's the history on this? Just for people who most people probably know, but think let's go back like you. So um, Envy Alt was a fork that you maintained for many years of notational velocity, which is an open source um, kind of like a notes program. Right. Right. And you started doing that what in like 2009, I want to say. Yeah, I, I I had a lunch break and I wanted to hack around with that source code. And I added a few things that I thought people would dig, but that I didn't want to make a pull request into the original. So I published it as notational velocity alt, uh, which got shortened to NVAlt and it took off. And these days, notational velocity is not updated um, or it's updated very slowly. So NVAlt is the kind of what people switch to. And there have been almost a million downloads of that app, and I don't make any money on it. Uh, so it was a lot of customer support, a lot of work uh, for essentially free. And I had for five years been planning to create a a successor to NVAlt. And uh, I kept failing at that uh, between like uh, mental health stuff and time and uh the OS would change and suddenly all the code I had wouldn't work and I wouldn't have the motivation to fix it. 
that happened twice already since I started working on it. But then Fletcher Penny, the guy who created Multi Markdown. Yeah, which is my, I it has been my favorite flavor Markdown. I think because of you, I think that you put it in the Blogsmith bundle. Yeah. I think that was the version of, of Markdown that you used. Because I've, I mean, most people have used variations of Markdown. Um, and at this point, like whatever the GitHub one is, Common Mark it's or whatever. GitHub flavored Markdown. No, but I think I think they've a, a, a adopted Common Mark. Have they? Yeah. Oh, that would explain why I'm seeing differences. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, that, you know, that's become kind of like for many people, like the de facto one. But for me, because of its support for footnotes and just other stuff, um, I've always... definitionless. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've just always really liked uh, Multi-Markdown. And, and Fletcher, he had an app, Multi-Markdown Composer, or I guess right. maybe still does. Yes. Because yeah. I've, I've bought that. Um, it's what I use for all of my blog posts and writing. So yeah, so Fletcher and you guys are like simpatico. So yeah, so he has maintained like this really big thing. And then, okay, so I, I interrupted you. Okay, so go on. So <laughs> so, so he contacts me uh, to say that he threw together this thing that he was calling NV Ultra. And it, he didn't want to step on any toes. So he wanted to, to talk to me about it. So we had a conversation and I said, this is what I've been trying to do. And he had basically taken the engine that runs multi-markdown composer and thrown it into uh, a fileless split view like NVLT. And it kind of worked out of the box as like that. Um, and I said, hey, I have a huge number of users that are a potential marketing base. Let's team up. And I wasn't sure what he would say, but he was excited to do it. So we teamed up and started planning out and working on uh, necessary features and design. And we are currently at a point where it's definitely at a beta point. There's some changes left to be made, but it's a stable, ready-to-go product that is better than NVAlt. And we, we tried to find a different name because I kind of wanted to lose the NV. Totally. Since this is written from scratch and most people have no idea what the NB stands for. Right. So we went through months of brainstorming, finding a ton of names that were like, oh, that's cool. But nothing that was, that's it. And ultimately, I couldn't, I couldn't move past NB Ultra because for anyone coming from NB Alt, it's the perfect name. Yes. And I, I'm hoping that to people who have no idea what NVLT is, it's just a name and they can get over it. No, and I think they will. I think they will. I mean, I think the only thing, you know, that you might run into, and this will be minor, because a lot of this does still have like the, you know, it harkens back to the to the NV experience, would just be kind of explaining to the old, old school people that like, this is not related to notational velocity in any way. Like, it's a spiritual successor completely, but it has been rebuilt. And this is well, a new thing. These days, it's easier to say it works like Simple Note and yeah. not reference NV at all. Well, no, I'm, 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 I meant to the existing NV people. Oh, yeah. There is a small faction of people who are angry at NV alt itself. Um, I don't fully understand. And, and there are various arguments within the faction. But when I say a small faction, I mean, like, uh, I would guess 20 people. Yeah, I mean. Versus the 800,000 that really like NVL. Yeah, so, exactly. So yeah, I'm not I, really I, concerned. No, I wouldn't. I would just be not not for those people, but I would just be just if somebody for some reason, like if they hadn't kept up with all this and you just want to explain, 
hey, like this is a spiritual successor, but this isn't going to have the same code and this isn't the same thing. Even though I left Envy in the name, I get what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of like, um, exactly. That's what I mean. Because there have been other examples of programs that do that um, where, again, it's like a total rewrite and you have to just kind of be like, okay, but it's not. It is, but it isn't. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so anyone who wants to get on the list to be accepted into the beta pool as stuff becomes available and to get updates as it is released, go to nvultra.com, nvultra.com, and you can sign up there. And um, I'm kind of, we're chunking the people who sign up in the order they signed up in, we're chunking out and giving them beta invites. Uh, as things progress right now, it's still a pretty small pool, but we're going to start moving quickly now. Yeah, no, I've been really impressed with just how much it's kind of come together and I haven't been able to spend a ton of time with it, but, um, I really, You're a shitty really beta tester. no, I mean, I look, <laughs> I am a shitty beta tester. I will be a good beta tester though. Look, I, I was the one who was like, Hey, why is text the default file format? <laughs> I fixed that. By the I way. did. I know. I saw this. Let's fix the next day. So thank you yeah uh because that was frustrating to me i was like i mean you can change it but then you're like well is there a reason why they're preferring this because i then you're just thinking why why would they use text as the extension anyway yeah did you see the apps i wrote in accidentally in the meantime (laughs) yeah uh, um um uh what is it called batch uh Bunch. Yes. That's so good. It was so funny. I actually was showing that in my company Slack um, (laughs) because it was so good. I was like, this is actually really cool. And uh, my friend, you know, did this or whatever. And then it turns out, I don't think you know them, but there are people who um, like I work with who have followed you who are familiar with you. Like, oh, do you know Brett? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I know Brett. Actually, I'm surprised every time, but that happens to me frequently. It even yeah. happened to me in Winona. Someone caught me on the street. Like, hey, you're Brett Terpstra. Well, you've done so which many cool weird. things, which is amazing. Uh, no, I, 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 I love it. Um, so what I mean, So what are kind of the, I guess, the ultimate plans with, with NB Ultra? Um, this is going to be a paid app? Yes, it will definitely be a paid app. Uh, probably on both the App Store and uh, through Paddle just like marked and maybe I'll get it into set app. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still, we, we have a general price range, but we're also looking at some kind of alternative pricing options. Uh, Fletcher has this idea that it's a, it's a cool idea, but I get bogged down in the mechanics of it. Uh, but it basically would be a pay what you want, which so neither of us are fans of subscription models for software. Right. Uh, which is why I like Setapp so much, because it gives all the benefits of a subscription to the user, which is yes. basically frequent updates and free upgrades. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Setapp uh, is free awesome. that you're paying for. But. Yeah, no, I, I love Setapp and I'm a I'm a big uh, evangelist of it. My only fear with that, but you've kind of helped at least belay some of that has always been like, how good of a deal is it for the developers? It's uh, over time, uh, as sales have declined on Marked, um, it uh, it has picked up the slack. I don't think it's actually cannibalizing Marked, but it, it has provided uh, steady income that keeps my rent paid. Um, get, last week, Marked was featured twice on the homepage of the App Store. 
It was in a group called Essential Coding Apps. And then it was in a group called uh, Dark Mode Writing Apps. And it was the center icon in the little screenshot. That's so cool. Someone there likes me. I wonder if it's Dan Frakes. I was going to say, it might be Dan. Uh, they, they definitely have people on the editorial side who know their Mac apps, which has been really good, right, um, to see. Um, yeah, I see this. It's still up there, Essential Coding Apps. And yeah, there you are, like, uh, Mark II is right there, um, along with uh, Snippet Labs, which I love. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, some apps that I don't think have been updated in a while, which I think is kind of their problem <laughs> to be totally candid. Like, you know, this, that's the issue with the Mac app store at this point is that there, a lot of the stuff that's there, some of it is really old. They do, they do kick you out. If you don't update for a certain, I mean, usually use things like you still include 32 bit binaries or yeah, I was you're gonna not say, updated they do that, for, but like Markdown plus, which is also there. It hasn't been updated in two years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, that's it's not, not a good app. app for that. No, it's not. Um, but, but anyway, th this pricing model, it, 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 like I said, it's it's pay what you want. And I would want to set like a minimum, like you have yes. to pay at least $4. But uh, Fletcher's uh, kind of theory behind it was there are a lot of customers who would pay whatever we charged for it. You know, if we made it a forty nine ninety nine app, they would pay. Without a doubt. Then there are people who, even at $5, would say, do I don't have that kind of extra money right now. Totally. Or or they're super stingy and, I mean, frugal, and and they just don't spend money on software, but they would be users. So with a pay-what-you-want model... And maybe we have it set up like uh, Humble Bundle, where if you pay more than the average, you get something extra. Uh, but it would allow us to possibly make more money than we would if we set the wrong price point. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good that's a good thing to experiment with, right? Because there, because you're right, you have some people like you're lucky. Both of you have. Like, you know, who was it like Clayton Christensen, like the, the, you know, one true, you know, the, the true fan kind of thing, you know, yeah. where like you've had like a thousand true fans or whatever, like you both have that, um, where you have people who have been committed to both of your products for so long. Like I'm one of those people for both of you. Right. Aww. Um, where, you know, I easily pay $50, I'd pay, you know, hundred dollars, whatever, just out of support. Um, and also just to be like, this is offering thanks for value that you've given me in the past, right? So you have a set of people who will do that. But to your, your broader point, if you want to make this something that can compete with Simple Note or Bear or, you know, um, any of the, the other, uh, you know, like plethora of note-taking apps, you're competing not just against the free stuff, and that includes the Notes app, right, which is not a bad app at this point. Um, right then, you know, you have to be, you, you can't price at $50. Right. Um, and I consider Bear, I consider Bear the primary competition here because uh, it got really popular mm -hmm. and it's a really good app. It's a really good app. It's, and beautiful. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You know, it's, 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 you know, and then they do, I don't hate their subscription model or whatever. Right. And I think we discussed, maybe we offer a subscription as a pay what you want. Uh, so like you have the option 
to pay for it as a subscription if that's a model that works for you. So it, I don't know. It get, I don't know how we would set up payment. Uh, like on the App Store, we would have to have in-app purchases to unlock it, and you could pick your in-app purchase. Right. And we'd maintain like 15 different levels or whatever. Yeah. Well, there's um, that. There's also like the tip option, right? Sure. But I've never had a lot of luck with that. Sure. Yeah. I was just saying, I think that that's what they kind of didn't like have that for is if you tip, you know, you you, you can add a tip or whatever. But yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. I, w- I would like a free trial. But when it's over, you have to buy it. Even if you're only going to pay two bucks for it, you have to buy it. And at that point, let people choose it. We're playing with the idea. I don't know yet. Should I make a yeah. bunch of paid app? Yeah. I, I'm surprised. Like it, I wrote it in an hour one morning to scratch an itch. And I was shocked at how many people immediately jumped on it and it got a thousand downloads the first day it was up. It was crazy. Yeah. So tell tell people what bunch is. Oh, it's, it's so it's an, a batch launcher. You You can make text files with lists of applications and when you open them with Bunch, which sits in your dock, and when you right-click it, it gives you a list of all your Bunches. Uh, you click one, and it launches all those apps. And since then, it has evolved to also be able to quit apps, uh, so it can like reverse a bunch. It can run commands like turning Do Not Disturb on and off and hiding your desktop icons, and then uh, show them both when you reverse it. Uh, you can turn on single bunch mode. So when you launch one bunch, it quits apps from all your other bunches. Uh, it, yeah, it got it got um, got expansive. It can also run shell scripts and Apple scripts and automator actions. And it, it got really powerful. And I just on Monday, I'll be releasing the 2.0 version of the launch bar action for it. Nice. Which is also really Good. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that. So I have moved back to Alfred, but yeah. but I still love LaunchBar. It's just it's yeah. been so long since it's been updated. I don't know if it's still being like there was there have been two updates in the last year, which isn't frequent, but they it took them until uh, like a month ago to fix some of the problems that Mojave caused. Right. Well, that was and, I think I think that was what ultimately like forced you back to Alfred, and then Alfred Four just came out, which, um, you know, looks really good. I don't know. I haven't really noticed any big differences in anything. I just uh, bought Alfred Four, even though I'm a Launch Bar user. I yeah, like to I, keep up with Alfred. Yeah, I'm I'm one of their I, mega sponsors or whatever. So you know, I paid a certain amount of money at one point. And they're like, you get updates for free forever. I had that option when I, but I'm like. I, I'm buying an app so that I can keep up with it and, uh, you know, once a month see if I want to switch, but it just never sticks for me. I don't feel strongly about it. Alfred users are, you know, they're good people. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, th- I think on the, both sides. Totally. Well, and it, for a long period of time, I think like Alfred and it kind of died off, too. But there was like the community was bigger around it. So you had mm-hmm. a lot more like third party integrations and stuff. Well, because uh, Alfred had um their action builder way before launch bar did right and you could drag and drop and use node-based development to not like node.js but you could move nodes around on a screen and connect them and that made alfred uh, more extensible and more appealing even to power users yeah launch bar is caught up though more or less but 
they lost a lot of uh, they lost a lot of momentum in that in between Netherland time. Yeah, no, and it's hard too because these are the apps where you know the interest for a lot of people has kind of lessened over time just because um, what should call it like you know spotlight. spotlight. Yeah, well, spotlight's gotten pretty good, and a lot of people you know are just happy enough to do that. That does most of what they needed to do, and if you realize that you want to do more stuff, you know, like that's a, a special type of person, um, yeah. which I think for the Mac has gone away a lot. Like I think a lot that used to represent a much larger part of the user base than it does now. Yeah. I feel like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not a good judge of what normal users want, but for most people who just want to be able to quickly launch apps, spotlight is perfect. Um, I couldn't live without LaunchBar. It does everything for me. No, I mean, because I've been using what was the what was the OG Quicksilver? Thing? Yeah, Quicksilver, man, such a good. Which app. I think is still around. I think it is, but it hasn't been updated. Like the guy yeah. doesn't do anything. Like it's open source, but it's not. Nobody does anything with it, you know. But like that was like the OG thing, and it's interesting because even on Windows, there's an app called Wix, Wox, yeah. excuse me, Wox W O X, which is basically like a. a you know, launch bar slash Alfred, you know, uh, launcher for windows and it'll, um, and it's pretty good. Um, it hasn't been updated in about a year, but it's, um, a good alternative. Cause that's the one thing whenever I'm using windows, when I'm using my windows laptop, I'm like, damn it, I can't do the stuff that's that I need to do. That's the one thing. Well, it's one of the things, <laughs> honestly, more of oh, it you're is not allowed away. to badmouth Microsoft anymore. I can badmouth windows all I want. Oh, I mean, that's fine. Um, I, I feel I feel weird about it. I don't care. I mean, like, but if I'm being completely candid, there's some stuff that's really good. Like WSL is really, really good. And I really appreciate how that integration works. So you can run like full Linux on Windows. And then the next version um, is actually going to be WSL2 is actually going to be amazing. Like they're actually shipping a Linux kernel inside Windows. And so... All of it will be completely native, meaning that if you're doing things like Docker or other stuff, like how it works now is you need to kind of have like a bridge um, right. for things to work. And instead, you'll be able to run the fully native like Linux Docker um, with almost no latency inside, you know, Windows um, and use it alongside your normal Windows tooling. So if I'm in VS Code, then I don't have to do anything special to, you know, have the files that I'm working on. Um, also be accessible and used by my Linux tooling stuff, which okay, is really so cool. This, this apps, I, I have one more project I want to tell you about, but this leads into the one tech topic that I absolutely wanted to discuss. Okay. Did you know that uh, in the next Mac OS in 15, they will be removing yes. Ruby, Python, yes. Perl, all of the runtimes that people like me yep. use for everything. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And obviously, I'll be able to install my own. I will have to reinstall Bash if I want to continue using all of my Bash scripts because right. they're changing Especially the to default ZSH. to Z-Shell. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I, I do not understand this decision. Yeah, those, I have thoughts. Having those runtimes was not hurting anybody. It wasn't taking a lot of maintenance on Apple's part. They barely updated them. Well, I think that was the bigger issue. Okay, we'll talk about it. But let's do your one your one update first, and then we'll get into this, because I, I have thoughts on this, too. Okay, I, I want to hear them. I, I have to tell you about Nifty Menus. I have not published this yet. Um, it is uh, a, an example of what happens when I go crazy, which 
I know there are a lot of projects out there that are obviously the work of a deranged, uh, uh, obsessive compulsive. But this one, I was taking a screenshot of a menu item for for software documentation. Yep. So pulling the menu bar down and then snapping the picture and then I would move my mouse and the menu would go away and then yep. I'd realize something was wrong with the screenshot. I have to go back, pull the menu down, open it up, hit my screenshot hotkey. And the menu was nested too deep. So a slight movement of the mouse would undo, like make the whole our hierarchy disappear. Right. And then, uh, well, okay, so I decided to fix it. And I made a, an, a script that will take, uh, it'll grab using system accessibility or system events will grab the entire menu system of any app and then regenerate it in pixel perfect HTML. So you get, you get your menu bars as an HTML playground. And then I added features like, well, so hovering displays the menus just like you're used to, but when you click an item, uh, it freezes the menu in that position. So then you're free to do whatever. And if you open up submenus, it highlights everything in the hierarchy the way that it would if you were using you know, an app on your Mac. Uh, but then you can option click one and it'll add an arrow automatically, the kind of arrow you would have to do post processing to get. And then I added an API to it so that I could automate the whole thing with fuzzy search and all. That's awesome. I can type nifty.click and then any string that would match a menu item, uh, even with typos, and it will click that menu item and highlight it for me. Yeah. So that's insane. And I think maybe there'd be one other person in the world that would be like, this is exactly what I need. Yeah, I'm going to say publish that's, it because yeah, of course. it's so crazy. Cool. No, it is so crazy. Cool. Did you see what uh, how Jason Snell was able to get Apple scripting into default folder X? No, I <laughs> okay. missed that. Okay, I'll let me look l- it up. L- let me find this because this was so cool. Um, I was okay. So go, I've run into this issue before where I love default folder X. I've been using it not as long as Jason, not as long as you, but I've been using it for as long as I can remember. And but the the annoying thing is there are times where I have like the need to. Um, save things in a folder but like there will be a new folder that i want to save it in so it'll be like a similar location but it's slightly different every time yeah and um so i can kind of say like in his case he has something that's on his desktop and then he has something else that he wants to like go deeper uh than that um like a a, a new folder that he's created anyway uh he was able to get apple scripting in default folder x so that he can write a script to basically find the newest created folder in a certain location, um, like scripting a save location within default folder cool. X. So the idea would be, okay, I know that I, with this type of file, I always want it to be on the desktop, but I wanted to choose the newest created folder rather than one specific, you know, place that's always there. So like for me, there's a folder that I have, like I could have destination to save something each week, but I have a new folder for each week. And so I've scripted it so that it knows, okay, always find the newest created folder and choose that as your destination for this stuff. See, this is the kind, I I mean, I appreciate this. It's very cool, but it's the kind of stuff that I use Hazel for. And I just save everything to my desktop and Hazel figures all of that out and moves files for me. And I use tags if I want to specify alternative filings or anything. 
but I do understand the need. Yeah. No, I, I was, that was, that was very exciting to me. So I sent you a link. Did you get it? Yes, I did. Do you see yeah. it? Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Test it out. <laughs> option click a something or double click it fast and it'll put a glowing halo around it. Oh, that's so good. And then down in the bottom right, you can switch to dark mode and get yeah. a pixel perfect dark mode. Oh man, you have the expose. This is really good. Turn on, turn the background image on and off. You can set your own desktop for it. <sighs> that's really awesome. Yeah, and this is this is me being crazy stupid this is early in the crazy, morning. But I love it. Yeah, this one will get published when I'm willing to admit to the world that I'm this obsessive. I mean, I think the world knows, but yeah. I literally made this to create one screenshot. That's where this went wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, the the, the one thing with this, the one thing where like I'm going to like kind of like give you crap is that the the amount of time you spent on this versus just oh my up, god oh versus just opening up acorn and using right. its layers ability to, uh -huh. to have this the screenshot the way you wanted it yep no there's absolutely way easier ways i could have done this and i don't do it so often that even if i shaved uh 30 seconds off the time it took for one screenshot i don't do it often enough to ever get back the hours i put into this no but you learned something cool right like i learned a lot of cool stuff there's a lot of fun css involved in making these menus look just like the system um, i learned how to use apple script to duplicate the entire menu system and then convert it to markdown hmm. and then render it to an html page uh, so essentially there's a part of this that you can turn any unordered list into uh, a menu bar so you can quickly modify and edit your menu bars uh, which literally has no practical application but anyway no but i mean a, like, like i don't know like i'm just gonna be like i think that the stuff that you learn from this is probably going to be worth your time even if like the one thing you got out of it wasn't you know what i mean yeah did you see the uh when you first start the nv ultra beta and it shows you the welcome screen yeah. The latest version has all of my fixes for that screen. Uh, got really into some CSS animation. I think it came out really good. Yeah, I was actually noticing that, that it looked really good. I was like, oh, this looks nice. Oh, um, thank you. My, uh, my friend Sarah, who uh, I used to work with, she now works at Netlify, which is like my favorite thing. So I'm jealous of her to be there. She's Mrs. CSS animation stuff, Fun. like literally. Um, yeah, I learned a lot. Like I used... You know, animated transitions and a little bit of keyframing, but I'd never really gotten into all the options, but I had a lot of fun. That's awesome. So, yeah. So let's talk about Apple removing the scripting stuff because, yeah. okay, Why? so, well, Why? okay, so Z shell, I sort of understand. I think that's a GPL sure. thing, it's, right? It's a, it's a better shell too. It I is. get that. I've never been able to fully commit to a switch, but I understand that. No, same. I that's mean, I've tried. Right. I agree. And people can still, you know, install, you know, bash sure. or whatever. And, and as long Any, as you, anyone who would be bothered by Z shell would obviously know how to install bash. No problem. Completely. Um, the other stuff and the way that I read it, it makes it seem like it will be included in Catalina, but it's subsequent versions that won't have it. So they're trying to get people prepared to either start bundling stuff now 
Um, yeah. Well, I mean, even Mark is going to have to bundle a Ruby, Ruby binary completely. to continue working. Right, right. And that's the one that, again, like you're right, like it's so funny, like Windows is literally going in the opposite direction. So not only the, with the WSL2 stuff, which is, you know, shipping the kernel and making this stuff seamless and like making it into a VM, but a different type of VM. So it's really fast and, and you can access, you know, the, the Linux files within Windows and, and vice versa, much, um, you know, easier and and a bunch of other improvements but python which has been which is a pain in the ass on windows they now have and this is with the release that came out a couple weeks ago there's like a um a stub in the start menu where you can install python and it'll take you to the downloader and install it and install it the right way and like will they install python 3 yeah Unlike Mac, which still exactly. installs 2.7. Which, again, I think is why they're removing that stuff. Because like a lot of the older libraries that they haven't updated in forever, for whatever reason, are reaching end of life. Like the, yeah. the Python 2 stuff is, I mean, it's going away. Well, um, they, didn't, they didn't update their Ruby until Ruby 1.4 had long been deprecated. Yeah. And it, I mean, it got to the point where it was almost like it was a security thing. And then I remember, you know, a lot of people who had older versions or I remember, I remember there was a big thing with a bunch of TextMate stuff because TextMate yeah. hadn't been updated either where you know you had to like install the old version and and do weird things yeah so I mean part of me is almost like okay well if you're not going to update these core libraries I can kind of understand and everybody uses homebrew anyway I can kind of understand getting rid of it where I get upset is you've had this as part of your operating system for 19 they years. used it as a selling point originally. I know. I know. This is my point. Like you've had this as part of your operating system for 18 years and people have built binaries to call the system things like homebrew is great and all of us are going to have that installed, but you can't count on when you're distributing an app for the end user to have that. And so what was great about, at least to me about, you know, Mac OS versus Linux and versus Windows and other things was that you didn't have to have the overstuffed binaries, right? You know, like if you needed to use a newer version of something, sure, but like you didn't ha wind up having fifteen versions of Python installed, yeah, because you know you used the system one, yeah. So uh, look at the projects that I share. Um, there are a lot of people that use like automator actions and uh, system services and even some uh, scripts that I've written that really have no idea what they're doing on the command line. Totally. Uh, my scripts will all stop functioning. The Markdown service tools, which is a pretty mm -hmm. popular package yep. I make, all rely on run shell script actions in automator, which leads me to my second problem with this. Uh, everything I do in automator involves run shell script. And if they remove that action, which, you know, would make sense if they're mm -hmm. removing the runtimes, uh, it, it makes me wonder if Automator is almost gone, which makes me hope that they're going to turn shortcuts into a Mac app that's truly capable, but it clearly isn't going to be able to do scripting, which I feel is a huge problem. Yeah, no, I 1000% agree. And this has been, if I can be honest, my fear since, you know, Saul left the company. Yeah. Because you look at that and you're like, okay, well, what does this mean for Automator? And then it turned out Automator got some improvements. And then obviously, 
shortcuts has been fantastic, right? Like I don't want, I'm actually shocked. They took, you know, workflow, which was an amazing app and they made it better and they added more capabilities and they've really given you more access to things than I ever thought possible. Right. And shortcuts is way cooler than automator. It is, but, but because it's an iOS thing, it doesn't have those same, like, you know, deep, deep power. Exactly. Yeah. That doesn't mean it couldn't, but you wonder, you're like, are you going to allow that? Uh, and, and I doubt that. Right. I mean, me too. But I feel like if you were going to bring that to the Mac, you have to. You have to allow yeah. the ability to run those sorts of shell scripts or whatever. And so, yeah, I'm with you. And and if they get rid of Automator, like that's – I mean, I'm sorry, but there are a lot of people who I think would start looking at other options if they can't you know, do their workflows the way that they wanted to. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're, with all the utilities, Hazel and – launch bar and all of the things that I automate my Mac with. Um, losing automator is a chunk of that, but not all of it. But I find the principle very disturbing. Uh, if Apple is going to weaken our automation capabilities. Right. And I think I speak for everyone. The whole world should be concerned about this. No, I mean, I, I definitely think about it a lot. No, I mean, but I think the people who listen to our podcast and people who definitely follow you and, and some of the people who follow me, I mean, we're the type of people who we love this stuff. This is part of what appeals to us about this platform, about computing in general. Like, I'm really excited by what they're doing with iPadOS, bringing more power to it, making it more Mac-like. But at the same time, part of me feels like this is just their way of, you know, getting us to that point where iOS where they can get rid of the Mac. Yeah. Where or or where you're gonna merge iPad OS and Mac OS. And no matter well, what they've been saying, oh, that'll never happen. No, it, it will. Oh, it absolutely will. Let's talk about Catalyst. Yeah. Um okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, what was codenamed Marzipan is now Catalyst and it allows people to publish uh iOS apps on the Mac. Yeah. Um so you get a mostly iOS like experience. Uh, in their own apps like uh, news uh, reminders, I think. Yeah. Uh, they the, the home app like home there are app, yeah. little things that are very not Mac like about these apps, but overall they function fine. They're still native apps, um, and they compile with AppKit, so it, it's not a totally crazy proposition. But at this point, uh, it does make me think. If they unify the operating systems, the Mac is going to end up more like iOS than iOS is going to end up like the Mac. Yeah, well, and I think that when they separated, you know, they're separating iPad and um, iPhone and iPad, they're giving it more features where they're saying, okay, you can connect a USB drive and you can connect, you can do these importing things and you have different, you know, like window managing modes. And a lot of it is becoming much more. Yeah, basically. (laughs) And uh, except that, you know, you you can't run um, uh, shell scripts and, uh, you know, do you can't have really good inner app communication or. Right. Right. Exactly. And although they did at least give us a real web browser. So, um, (laughs) you know, you can when hosted versions of of, of Visual Studio Code uh, become available, like there are some third parties that do that already. You could, you know, finally code in in your browser. But, yeah, you know, there there are. still like very clear differences between what you can do on your Mac and what you can do in your iPad, but they are starting to close those gaps. 
So yeah, I look at at this sort of a catalyst and it's like, yeah, they're basically saying the way to write a Mac app is to write an iPad app and then compile it also for the Mac. Like that's, that is absolutely what I'm hearing and what they're saying. I mean, to me, that was what it said. It's is that they're basically saying, do not build a native Mac app. There's not a reason to do that. Um, instead, build an iPad app and then click the compile for, you know, Mac button in Xcode. Interestingly, and this is probably uh, just an oversight, but uh, they, uh, so WebKit is in Xcode when you're working on an app and you want to put a web view into it, you use, uh, used to be just called WebView. And then they came out with WK WebView, which was the the newer, updated, uh, most recent open source WebKit right. implementation. But it removed a lot of uh, – with WebView, you could uh, send a command from the browser to the app and get a response back. So Mark uses that for things like sending a chunk of text from the preview into – uh, the app to get it spell checked or analyzed and then gets the data back. You can't do that in WebKit directly because it now uses an, an all like pub sub. Mm-hmm. You have to send the notification and then wait for a callback, which can get really complicated. But the biggest thing is you can't print the Mac version of WK WebView, but you can on iOS. Interesting. It's very frustrating. So Mark can't upgrade because Mark relies heavily on being able to print the WebView, um, which sucks because the old WebView version is, uh, if you have fixed elements on your screen, they stutter all over the screen when you scroll. Uh, and it doesn't happen in WK WebView. So I'm, I'm fucked there until they fix the printing at least. Yeah, that's not... I can refactor 20 pages of JavaScript. That's fine. But I can't make a printer. No, nor should you have to. Like that becomes, that's a frustrating kind of experience. Yeah, but it does, it does prove the point that they're, they're putting all the effort into iOS. Oh, uh, totally. I shouldn't say all the effort. I mean, no, I mean, look, they're doing a lot of things for the Mac and obviously, you know, the Mac Pro, you know, a lot of people are really excited about that. Um you know, the professionals who can actually afford it, um, which are all going to be video people um, and, and graphic and special effects artists, which look, frankly, that's always been that audience anyway, if we're being honest, right? Like the the outliers, Syracuse and Marcos of the world who will still be able to buy this thing um, sure. have not really ever been, in my opinion, who the Mac Pro has really been for, right? Like if you're getting like a an enterprise server class kind of, you know, system, um, just because you claim, oh, I want to be able to do user upgrades. It's like, okay, at what cost genuinely, like just get an iMac pro if, if this is really what you're, what yeah. you're about. Uh, cause most of us use laptops as our primary computers anyway. Like there's just reality. Right. I mean, my primary computer is a, a laptop that doesn't work as a laptop anymore because the command key on the keyboard doesn't work and the trackpad doesn't hmm. double or doesn't, uh, click anymore. But it's still on a stand at my desk with a Thunderbolt display. I need a new computer. I need uh, NV Ultra to succeed so I can buy a new computer. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I think Mac Stories published just as a, a throwaway line. They figured out what the total would be if you connected the Mac Six Pro displays to the new Mac Pro, and it was like forty-two thousand dollars. 
<laughs> yeah, seems about right. Yeah. Um, I mean, anyway, I mean, that's like, I don't have a massive issue with that, to be honest, because I think for the audience they're going after, that's completely appropriate. And I think that with those types of displays, Apple might not have a consumer one that will be, you know, trickle down and will be cheaper, but other uh, display companies certainly will. Like this puts them kind of on alert that they're going to have to step up. Um, yeah. And and so, you know, maybe 18 months from now, there will be things that are similar, you know, that will be available to everyone. At probably know. a better price point. But... Oh, at a much better price point. That's what I mean. Like available to everyone, meaning not a price point that everyone can afford because six thousand dollars for display is uh not tenable well five thousand dollars then a thousand dollars for the stand that's the one thing where i'm like i roll my eyes like would I, you like a stand or a mac pro right because well, i mean a stand or an ipad pro right because my, my deal is like i'm fine if you want to charge six thousand dollars for the display because compared to what other displays in that class go for it's actually still really cheap but include just charge six thousand dollars for it and include the stand like yeah, yeah. don't don't do this whole like and if you wanted to offer a cheaper thing for like big customers like let them call you and be like hey we don't need the stand you know just give it go without it and then drop the drop the price right um but i don't know it just it feels really nickel and dimey to be like oh and a thousand dollars for this stand it's like okay like <laughs> I see okay. a I see a burgeoning market for a third party stand. Oh, me too, me too. Like and base amounts and whatnot. I think it's there's going to be a, a burgeoning market. I think for a lot of um, accessories around yeah. the the Mac Pro. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like they've officially dropped support of Nvidia stuff, but I'm interested because people have still maintained unsupported drivers. I'm interested to see if like the community is able to do things to try to you know hack support in. Um, for other types of GPUs. That'll be interesting. I don't know. I have a random side note. What's that? I have a friend. That's not the note. But um, so I don't know if you've ever had to work with label printers. Uh, I certainly have not. But uh, it turns out that the software for printing on label printers, there's only one shitty piece of software and it costs a lot of money. Um, Zebra owns it, I think. But he sat down and hacked a new label printer software that works with every brand of label printer. Wow. And uh, he's selling it on the Mac App Store now. But uh, this is also the guy who uh, made uh, an iOS app that could control all the various proto protocols for uh, like Hue lights. Oh, yeah. Uh, for automated lighting. And he made one that worked with any Bluetooth light. Uh, he, he, he's as crazy as I am. Like he doesn't need a label printer, but he realized there was a problem and wanted to see if he could fix it. So yeah, there's a third party hacking community for sure. Yeah. That's really interesting. And, and good for him, like for being able to kind of find that, you know, opening in the market and be like, Hey, I can, I can do something that can take advantage of He is of this. actually doing decent sales on it. It turns out there are a lot of frustrated label printer users. Yeah, I've never used a label printer, so. Do you have a newer model uh, external SSD drive? Yes, I have the um, the Samsung uh, T5. T5. Yeah. I, 
so I, at first I got the Seagate fast and I was, I was blown away because the closest, I have an old, um, rugged that had an SSD drive in it, but it's slow. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would do a clone backup from my computer. It would take hours. And then if I tried to boot from that drive, it would take 20 minutes to get to the desktop and then the computer wouldn't be usable. Uh, you move the mouse and it would freeze, move the mouse. It was horrible. So I was shocked when I plugged that fast in, uh, I could boot from that. I could back up to the thing in one hour and then boot from it. And it was almost, I almost couldn't tell the difference versus running on my internal SSD. So then I got the T5 and it's even faster. I, this is a new world to me. I know everyone else it's old hat, but they're finally down to like a hundred bucks. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no. So I got the T3 right before the T5 came out and, um, and I was a little annoyed, but I got a really good price on it. So it didn't matter. It didn't bother me too much. And then, um, actually this, I guess, uh, Christmas or, or, uh, uh, Black Friday or whatever, there was a deal, um, on a T5 on a one terabyte and I was able to, and I, and I got it and I love it because, um, at this point, all of my, well, A, I love it because it'll work with both, um, USB uh, uh, A and USB C, right? Like that to me is a big deal because yeah. I have multiple devices. Like my my MacBook Pro obviously is USB C. My Windows laptop, uh, my Huawei, which is now banned, um, is uh, but still is the T five faster on C than it is on A? I think it is, but I, I wanna... don't know definitively. Because I, I, I have it plugged into a. Type A USB three port and it's fast, but I keep wondering: Would this be faster if I used the? Because it uses a, a C to A cable to do that. Right, right. And I don't with, have anything to test a C connection on. I, but. Um, I can test that. I, I will. I will do a test on that in Blackmagic and let yeah. you know. Um, so I was yeah. criticized for using Blackmagic for testing. Eh. Um, like it, what, what it, it has to use? do. It, it was a guy who did this professionally, and it has to do with. Um, writes over time and like once you get up to I think uh, almost a terabyte copy and testing the speed the writes it gets past the cache of the SSD drive which have huge caches but once you get past that you can see the actual speed of the drive Uh, so he told me that if I was going to do a head-to-head which I did on my blog uh, I really need to uh, get past the cache so I learned something new that day yeah, um, I can see that. So I, I don't know because it's USB 3.1. So I think that would be where it would potentially be faster from the USB-C yeah. side. But I don't know how much it would how, how much of a difference it would make, to be totally honest. So, yeah, I got the one. Tell term- me what Black Magic says. Um, I will let you know what Blackmagic says. So yeah, I actually, and now it's the, the, the Black Friday price has even come down. So I got the one terabyte. I spent, um, how much did I spend on it? Okay, I spent like two hundred dollars on it. Now it's like oh. one hundred and seventy-seven. I got so, mine for one fifty. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, they've come down. I spent one hundred ninety-seven dollars and then had um, a, a tax because Washington State. Um, but I'm pretty sure a couple of years ago they were in the four to five hundred. Oh, they range. definitely were, which is why you know six seven months ago when I got that in November, that was a really good price. Yeah. I got the um, the five hundred gigabyte version, uh, the T three. 
I spent $190 on that one. And that was a good price in 2017. So that was July 2017. I got it right after I got my iMac. And um, I've loved that. And like, actually, it's funny, that is the one that I have connected to my iMac right now when I was trying out iPad OS. Um, I wanted, uh, I didn't want to uh, deal with um, partitioning my um, iMac like main drive. Yeah. So I just installed Catalina on the SSD. Yep. I'm going to be doing the same. And, you know, I mean, it's a little bit slower, but it's not bad at all. It's certainly usable. So, yeah. and that's on the T3, which is not as fast as the T5. And so these things are amazing. Um, and they're so small. And what I love about them is that, you know, you can have multiple, you know, like partitions, different formatting. So, cause I travel when I was doing my travel for the tour, you know, I would travel with both my windows laptop and my Mac just in case I used my Mac for almost everything. But then my very last tour stop, I tested the Mac in one of the rooms and it was fine. And then on the day of my talks, I was in a different room and I could not get it to connect to the um, overhead system. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was coming up white, like the, it was showing it's connected in my Mac, but I couldn't see the display in their room. And then there was like a language barrier and I had like 10 minutes. And so it was like one of those, like I'm freaking out things. So somebody you know, brought me, um, uh, uh, and of course it was the one day that I didn't have my windows laptop with me cause it, a windows update came and I couldn't like leave with it that when I was leaving so early that morning. So somebody had to bring me like their surface, um, laps, uh, their surface book, which was fine. It, fortunately I had recorded my demos the day before because I wouldn't have had my, you know, passwords and scripts and all the stuff that I would have actually needed to go through them. But, um, what I like about you know them having all these sizes is that I can have them partitioned into multiple formats, you know, yeah. to be able to plug into whatever device I want, and, and and it's so small. And they're literally smaller than a wallet. That's what I'm saying. Like even it, a small wallet. No, and then like for traveling for me, because you're asking how I was handling the traveling. The hardest thing, honestly, I have to have this big, you know, laptop, this big, you know, backpack that I have to have all my gear in, and it makes a big difference to go from even like the ruggeds, you know, the Lassi ruggeds or whatever to something that size, because For I can, sure. that makes a big difference in how much space you're using, especially if it's something like I can say I have 500 gigabytes or a terabyte of space, then I'm not worrying about, um, having to deal with, um, thumb drives or anything else. I'm just like, okay, I have this and I have a, a connector, you know, regardless of the size, and then I can, you know, either have it in an XFAT or NTFS or um, APFS or, or whatever um, I need it in to connect to whatever system I might be on. I'm looking, I have a, a T5 and a rugged on the desk in front of me. And if I am doing math right, I think I could fit eight of them. I, I could fit eight T5s inside that rugged. Yeah, no, they're awesome. I'm I gonna, mean, if it were empty. Yeah, no, I'm like a, a really big fan and, um, you know, Samsung's done a great job with them. And these aren't even the fastest SSDs, right? Like you could technically get an enclosure and um, get their even faster ones. But for what these are and what they do, like, I'm just so impressed. Like I use it for everything. That's I'm, I'm glad to hear someone as excited about them as I am. Yeah, no, I'm a really, really big fan because um, I hate dealing with, um, you know, like I, I'm the sort of person who I would buy so many thumb drives and then lose them and then they get slow even if you get the really fast ones and then now that everything is USB-C like you have to use adapters and so this is great because it has 
both connectors in the box. Yeah. So what's Taylor Swift up to? Well, she released a new song that is okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I like it, but I'm also like, it's not her best work by far. And she's apparently coming out with a new album, but we don't know when it's coming out. And the fans, her fans are getting restless, but I'm just like here for the ride. Like whatever you want to give me, Taylor, I'm, I'm into it. At what point do you think she's going to do the, uh, like go crazy, piss everyone off and hide for a couple of years? Well, she already did that. Did she? Yeah, that was her Did whole I miss last. It? Yeah, that was her whole last album thing. Reputation. She literally didn't do any interviews. She like had like the "Look What You Made Me Do" single. You know, she like yeah. Was... See, that was it was um, bitchy, but it wasn't like Britney Spears' breakdown. She's never doing that. Are you sure? Absolutely. Because I think if she did it, she would do it to an extreme. I agree with you. it could be highly entertaining. It would be amazingly entertaining, and she would do it to the extreme, but I think she's far too type A, and I think more I'm not even sure she would live through the level of breakdown she would have if she did. Well, that's the, that's the thing, Brett. She wouldn't. It would, we would oh, seen the poor end Taylor. Of, right. So, so she's not doing that, is my point. Okay. Like, okay. Like, speaking of Britney, though, poor Britney. Why? What happened? Well, her fans are crazy. Um, and she apparently was suffering through some stuff and like went into like inpatient treatment or whatever and took some time off and delayed her second, um, uh, I guess residency in Vegas or whatever. And then her fans have a podcast based on her Instagram and some rando who allegedly used to work at the law firm that, you know, does her conservatorship and was like a or paralegal or whatever, called in and claimed that she's not in control of anything that she does and that she's being held in this conservatorship against her will. And all these people are forcing her to do all these things she doesn't want to do. And so her fans blow this up. This is all really personal. Like she's been in a conservatorship and it's a complicated situation, but clearly to, to be allowed to be in one of those things, like things have to be really bad. Right. And I don't know what her personal health situations are. And frankly, it's not my business. And it's not the fans business either. But yet they are making it their business by being like free, you know, in the conservatorship, free Britney, this and that. And like starting this whole movement where they're like protesting outside of the courtroom, like trying to like get involved in the stuff. And it's like not their business. Like she's literally getting on Instagram and is like, stop. And they're like, see, she's telling us to keep going. It's like. Okay, something is whatever is going on with her like mental state and like whatever the reasons are why, you know, she has people in charge of parts of her life. That's for a reason. Like you don't know her. Like, I don't know. It 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 really bothers me. It feels really gross to be I honest. I can't stop thinking about that YouTube leave Britney alone guy. Yeah, I know he was right. <sighs> <laughs> or he was their spokesperson. No, he. I think. I think that he actually would probably be appalled by what the fans are doing. Well, there we talked about Taylor Swift. We did. We did. This is still. This is still a Taylor Swift. It pro- is still podcast. a Taylor Swift podcast. Yeah, I bought. Uh, I bought some of her new merch, and then it came. It, it came out and had a typo on it, which uh, it was like a limited <laughs> edition thing. Perfect. Uh, that's going to be worth major money. Actually, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, well. So at least I have that. So that's fun. Yeah. Congrats. Um, thank you. Are you watching any uh, any good shows? Oh, my God. I made you a list. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I do. Okay. This is in the eight months since we last talked. And and keeping in mind that I consciously make time to watch TV. I don't think it mush- mushes your brain. I think it's a wonderful storytelling medium. I agree. So here we go in no particular order. 
atypical punisher dead to me bojack horseman i i'm late to that party but i watched the entire thing binged it uh killing eve star trek discovery into the badlands big mouth i'm sorry good girls happy uh agents of shield this latest season is really good okay uh tuca and birdie working moms letter kenny i developed a huge letter Letter kenny Kenny. obsession yeah I, I kind of want to talk to you about that one because I feel like if you're a fan, uh, you would be a real fan. Um, Forever, uh, Afterlife, Ricky Gervais's one, uh, The Umbrella Academy, Russian Dowell, Dow, Russian, <laughs> Russian Dowell, Gotham. Uh, started and and watched all the way through Archer up to the current season. Uh, Preacher, Superstore, Brooklyn Nine Nine, The Orville. I love. Yeah, me too. I don't think it's gonna make it. Uh, uh, the Passage, Future Man, uh, I, uh, I admittedly ran out of TV at one point and watched all of Community and White Collar again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Community you, you, was a fucking great show. It was a great show. And you're you're into a, you like The Good Place, right? Yes. Yeah, The Good Place is so good. I think they're going to get another season. They're getting one more. And then they announced Michael Shore, the creator announced like two days ago that season four, the next season will be the last that he like made the conscientious decision to end after four seasons. I, I, I respect that. I, do I feel too. like community. Uh, when I was on season three, I'm like, God, I hope this could go on forever. I don't understand why the show isn't on the air anymore. But by the time I got to whatever the last one was like six, I think. Yeah. I understood. Yeah, well, at that point, they left NBC and they went to Yahoo. And um, it was, you know, they, they the budget was cut. Daniel Glover, uh, not Daniel Glover. Uh, um, um, the kid. Yeah. The, um, the, the young child, Daniel Glover. Ch- Childish Gambino. Um, uh, he went to, um, uh, he left and they got rid of uh, Yvette. Um, what's her face? Um so yeah like, got rid of all the black people yeah well and then at that point chevy chase was gone like it was uh well because he died well yeah because he's terrible uh <laughs> donald glover um yeah. his show atlanta if you haven't seen that is freaking i amazing. have it is really good he's like i think he's probably the most talented person kind of like working one of the most talented like all around people like writer producer actor like musician musician exactly like he is he's on it like he's just so good but yeah Damn. exactly the the way the way community ended you're like yeah okay they had enough but you know and and now dan Harmon has rick and morty and you know um i think cartoons are, are easier to probably deal with yeah uh, elongated well, and stuff rick and morty is brilliant it's I so love brilliant yeah me too but yeah, no, no community. You're like, oh, we should go on forever. And then it ends. And you're like, yeah, this is probably right. Like yep, I, they, it was time. It was. Um, Parks and Rec feel, was one of was one of those that I didn't ever want to end. But again, it was they did it in a right in, in the right way. I would tune in for an Abed and Troy spinoff. Oh, completely. <laughs> completely. <laughs> um, so did you watch Letter Kenny? Yes. Did you get obsessed with it? Yeah, I did. And there's something, I think they're bringing it back to like Hulu oh or something. Oh my um, God. Yeah. And so there's some, there's something happening out with it. Yeah. It's going to become an original, um, a Hulu original, um, as season seven launches on October 14th. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's a, I, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's a show about, uh, Canadian Hicks mm-hmm. and it is super dialogue driven. The banter is brilliant uh it's limited sets uh small cast 
but they work it and it is hilarious. Yeah, no, it's really, really good. The other one, they have a, a penis or a pen 15. Have you seen that? Uh, I, I didn't get into it. I watched the first two episodes and it, it didn't hold okay, me. That one, that one does it for me because like the writers are literally my exact age and what they're portraying was like, <laughs> literally like my, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's completely Well, and like, I think if I had been a girl in middle school, I might be able to relate to it better. But a lot of the problems they're having were very different from the problems I was having. Completely. And I, I respect that. But yeah, um, no, Hulu is, is doing some really good TV stuff, frankly. Um, oh my god yeah so is netflix so though. is netflix yeah but uh, uh killing eve now that's yes. been one of my favorites and i thought season two was really really strong and yeah. um i'm actually really excited so as we record this on a sunday i don't know whenever it'll go up but uh, big little lies is coming back for a second season that's another one i couldn't get into um i hear oh such god. good things about it so it. amazing so i like rewatched it um last night uh, i was rewatching parts of it because i have been meaning to give it another shot um, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's based on a book and it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do with season two because it was not supposed to go beyond the limited series. Like it was supposed right. to be that, that was it. But then it got all the accolades, won all the awards. And then the author of the book actually agreed to write a novella that then David E. Kelly adapted into the second season. And then they, they wrote, um, Meryl Streep in. She's joining yeah. the, the second season. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. But uh, Reese Witherspoon, man, like she, we've talked about this before, but like she has a, she has an eye for good shit. Like she really does. Like people don't give her that kind of credit, but like, you know, she's the one who, who bought the rights to Gone Girl and she's the one who, you know, Wild and a lot of the other stuff she's working on. Like she has been like, okay, well, people weren't bringing me good stuff. So I'm just going to read a bunch of books and buy the stuff myself. Hell yeah. Did you did you see the Billy on the street with Reese Witherspoon? Yes. Except it wasn't Reese Witherspoon. Yes. And the number of people who couldn't tell the difference between Kate McKinnon and Reese I know, Witherspoon. It was so good. It was so good. Um, I miss um, uh, 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 Billy. Uh, yeah. But the show that he did. Um, uh, oh, what was that? Uh, terrible people or yeah, uh, uh, horrible. No, it wasn't. You're the worst. It was the other one. Terrible. Maybe it was to horrible people or man, I've forgotten. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm looking show. this up now. I love that show. Uh, what was it with the Julie? Um, all right. Difficult people. Difficult people. That yes. was such a great show. It really was. Um, I'm, I'm very sad about that ending. It's very sad about the end of Broad City. Although, again, like they did it on their own terms and I thought that it ended really well. Um, yeah, that was that was good to the end. Defiant. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say Broad City, I think, was one of the ones, probably the most consistent series I've mm -hmm. seen in well, years. Well, it grew over time, but mm -hmm. never felt like they were phoning it in. Never. And I think it's because they were completely, like, involved the whole time. Like, yeah. it was their vision. Well, and, and a lot of um, imp improvisation, too. Oh, completely. Uh, the combination of those two actors was thrilling. Yeah, no. I mean, they're... I love them and I love that show. So yeah, that was, I was, I was very sad about like my favorite thing ending, but I was also very happy that it ended the way that it did and that they had obviously control over it and they're going to continue to do their own projects and, you know, hopefully you, reunite at some point. Did you know Netflix saved Lucifer? No, I didn't. Because uh, Lucifer got canceled uh, and no, no one really understood why because it was a great show picking up momentum but uh, Netflix 
brought the whole show in and they filmed the whole new season and it's it's good. I mean, it's it, it it's no Marvel show or anything, right. but I enjoy that show. Speaking of, uh, did you watch Punisher? I did not. Season? I did not. It was and I have not been able to put my finger on why, but it was my favorite of all the Marvel shows. Um, there's something heartfelt. It's it's uber violent. But I have talked to many people who are not fans of violent television and movies who loved Punisher. And I can't fully explain it, but I get it. It's so good. And I'm really sad that all the Marvel series are coming to an end. And I'm I know. hoping what is Disney going to have Marvel shows on their channel? Yeah, but you know, they're not going to be dark the way that they were on no. Netflix. Like that's just not Disney's MO. Like not that Disney couldn't like, look, conceivably now that Disney completely has control over Hulu, they could put those things on Hulu. Right. Yeah. But I don't think they will. And that's a shame to me because like Jessica Jones was uh-huh. so good and it was the sort of show you don't see. And I don't know, like I, yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure that they will be making new original Marvel shows, and that's great, but they're not going to have that darkness. They're not going to have that adult feel. And, like, to me, Luke that was... Cage. Yeah, to me, like, that's what made them really special, was that you don't see adult shows right. on, um, you know, related to those properties. Yet the comics are really dark, you know? Yeah. So... Um, what... what? You watching Star Trek Discovery? I'm not. I I watched the first season and um I haven't watched beyond that. Well, I watched a little bit, so it's weird. When you go to uh foreign Netflix, you can access Star Trek Discovery. Huh. Because they license it to Netflix in other countries. Interesting. So conceivably if you didn't want to pay for it, you could just use a VPN and pretend that you're like in London or something. Um but yeah, I watched the first season and then there was some the behind the scenes stuff. There was so much drama happening there. I don't know. I, I, I'm not that into it, to be totally okay, honest. So I I'm super late to that party. I'm only on like episode seven of season one. Thus far, I'm extremely excited about it. This idea like we come in and immediately we have a captain who is we're, we're not even sure if we like him <laughs> like He's almost a bad guy. Uh, we, we walk into a full-scale war. Like, this is a very different Star Trek. And the primary characters are all almost anti-heroes. It, I'm enjoying that aspect of it. It feels like they're burning through those plot points really quickly. I don't know where it goes next. Um, but I, I, thus far, I'm having fun. Sad to hear that I might not be by the end of the season. But for now, I'm going to binge through this. Yeah, no, I think that's a good idea. I think that's good. Um, Yeah, I haven't. It's been interesting. I haven't been able to catch up with as much TV as I've wanted. But it's been one of those things where, especially because I've spent so much time on airplanes, you know, you find ways to download stuff in advance or watch things on the plane or whatever. So that's where a lot of my my viewing comes in. Man, I'm realizing that that list was twice as long, but that was off the top of my head. That's amazing. Um, I feel like we have fallen, even after an eight-month break, we've fallen into a formula for this show. Uh, It goes medication, exercise, tech, TV. Yeah. I'm okay with this. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. I like it. I like it a lot, frankly. 
We took two hours to get through it this time. We did. And we won't be gone for eight months again. I don't, I'm not going to promise we'll be back in like two weeks or whatever. Cause that's a dumb yeah, thing. Yeah. We're to not going to promise that we've no, learned. We've learned. Um, but, uh, my schedule is a lot more normal, at least until November. So hopefully we can make this more frequent just cause I like talking to you. Like I know. And when we wait eight months, we have so much to catch up on. Yeah. But I'd like to be able to talk to you about other things, especially as, things with the betas and the various things come out, uh, you know, get uh, further along. And as your process of, of Envy Ultra becomes further along, like, I'm really excited for you about that. Like, I'm really excited about about this. Nervous and hopeful. Thank you. No, I mean, I think that because if anybody can build like the really nerdy, extensible, like, you know, app. Oh, it, like, it's funny you say that. I'm actually um, working against extensibility on this one. It's extremely powerful in and of itself, but I learned a real lesson adding scripting and uh, uh, custom processor capabilities to marked. Customer support becomes impossible. I can't imagine being Alan Odgard. Oh, yeah. And running the customer support for TextMate, which was infinitely extensible. Oh, completely. I mean, I even know just from the Visual Studio Code team, like they go through a lot, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right, because half of what makes Visual Studio Code great is the massive library of extensions for it that they don't maintain. No, no. I mean, although some of them they do, but yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, but they're not doing support for a good 50% of... Oh, absolutely not. But yet, if... But but at the same time... But it's their problem. Right, Like, but the thing would be, like, if, if an extension stops working... Mm-hmm. You know, then they need to or it's doing a weird thing, then they need to find out what's or, going on with it or is interacting with another extension or the core functionality in a way that, you know, makes people unable to trace where the problem is coming from. Yep. I immediately added so many extensions to VS Code that I couldn't tell what was going wrong where anymore. I had yeah. to I had to reset. Yeah, I've had to do that before, too, and then just kind of figure out, OK, I'm going to be really like, what do I actually need and didn't just install because it sounded cool? Precisely. Yeah, that's kind of where I've been. And and that's been a good thing, frankly, like to have that. Like that's been a, a, a good um, like kind of lesson. But because yeah, I, I, I do love VS Code. It's probably my favorite app. Although I'm looking forward to, you know, Panic's next thing and, and whatnot. I doubt that that will become my my default kind of coding editor i think that i'm pretty set on code but i'm still stuck in sublime text i use code regularly but not daily i just i got too comfortable in sublime text i think that's what happens right i mean which makes complete sense like i think a lot of us just like it is what it is people who live inside of a an ide you you get such muscle memory and such comfort uh, that the IDE fades away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just know how to do everything. And then switching to a new one, you suddenly have to look at every menu. You suddenly have to remember new key- keyboard shortcuts. You have to mm-hmm. understand, uh, you know, when you type a bracket, how is it going to auto pair? Is it going to yep. wrap, you know, all of these things that become uh, constantly visible to you. And it makes you just want to crawl back into the comfortable hole you had dug elsewhere. No, you're 1000% correct. And like that has been the big thing for me. I think the why I was on TextMate for so long was that I didn't want to go through that process. And then it finally got to the point where I was like, I have to move to something else. And then VS Code 
was getting really good. And then, yeah, you know, I know the people on that team and it is <laughs> kind of part of my job. And like, it's easy to, you know, the, the things that are built in to certain stuff, like some of the, the Azure integration, the GitHub integration, some of the other stuff is really, really solid. And you're like, okay, well then this, this is what I'm going to use now, but you have to go through that set of like having your, you know, bindings and, and autocompletes and pair stuff, you know, the way you want and getting things you want just so. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm tired. I'm tired too, but this has been a really good talk. I'm glad that we've had this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for initiating this. Yeah. Thanks for agreeing to do it. And, and for, um, I, I'd originally like didn't, wasn't on the ball enough to get us when we were originally going to record. I'm actually kind of glad now we waited cause we got to see the, um, WWDC announcements. Yeah. So we could Quebec about the removal of the scripting languages did you know i haven't done a systematic since october either shoot well you and fletcher should definitely do one i kind of i went on hiatus with these big plans for coming out with a different uh approach to systematic uh to do like short series that focused on a single topic with a variety of you know like six guests around one topic sure and it just got overwhelming. And then I realized after a two month break that it's actually uh, an undue amount of stress to run a podcast that you want to keep fresh and interesting, but aren't getting paid for. Yeah. So I just kind of let it continue to be on hiatus. I think if you were to bring it out, if you're doing another episode, I would recommend not trying to mess with the format or whatever too much, but to do a series with Fletcher about the making of Envy Alt. And the reason I say that, or Envy Ultra, because I think that would act as a marketing push. <laughs> yeah. It's still time and effort. That it is time and effort, doesn't but it have visible payoff for me. Well, see, that's the thing. I think that I that know, would be if it actually of... sold a thousand copies. Sure. Right. But yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, we will do this again. Um, it will not be eight months from now. I'd guarantee you that. But I'll reach out in a few weeks and see if we can get some time on the books to do something because I'd like to continue talking to you. Awesome. awesome. I look forward to it. All right. Get some sleep, Brett. You get some sleep, Christina. I will. Thank you. The system is going down low.